increasing regulation, market saturation, and rising interest rates. Still think short-term rentals make sense? You're not alone. Join industry experts Bill Faith and Kenny Bedwell as they discuss how you can invest while still staying ahead of the curve, identifying trends before they happen, or blowing them away outright with their insights. This is STRonomics. The podcast is brought to you by Market My STR, the ultimate all-in-one marketing platform for short-term rental hosts. Are you tired of juggling multiple marketing tools? Say goodbye to the hassle and make your life as a host a breeze with Market My STR. Boost your booking rates and increase your revenue in no time with our powerful features. Our platform streamlines your marketing efforts so you can focus on what you do best, providing unforgettable guest experiences. Whether you're a newcomer or a seasoned host, Market My STR has got you covered. Stay connected with your guests using our comprehensive set of communication tools. From custom landing pages to text messages, email marketing, and social media integration, we provide all the tools you need to elevate your short-term rental business. Streamline your operations, enhance your guest experience today. Don't settle for less so we can have it all. Make the switch to MarketMySTR's all-in-one marketing platform and watch your business soar. Visit MarketMySTR.com today to sign up for your free trial. That's MarketMySTR.com. Elevate your short-term rental business with Mark and my STR. Hey, hey, welcome back to STRonomics. I'm Bill Faith, joined by Kenny Bedwell, the property finder from STR Insights. How are you today, my friend? Good, good. How are you doing? So, Kenny, I think you might talk to more real estate agents than I do, but I'm going to guess I probably do more coaching calls and, and speak to more people than you do on a daily basis. I'm averaging about eight or nine a day right now. I, uh, I know you talk to a lot as well, but I'm, I'm up there with you. So um, it's too yeah. many. I need to trim that back to like four or five. But a lot of people are investing and talk about the invest. There, there's an investor side and an agent side here. Right. Yep. And fuck it. I want to start with the agents first. If you're a real estate agent right now and you're listening to this and I may lose you as a listener here, but please Fair stop. Up right now trying to sell somebody on lower interest interest rates 18 24 36 months down the road you have to be investing at today's interest rates you have to be underwriting at today's interest rates i don't care if you're an agent it's just reckless it's dangerous you're not putting your client first if you're the investor it's idiocy to buy a property today banking on a reposition 18, 24, 36 months down the road, that should be gravy. That should be the icing on the cake. If you get that, that is something that is not guaranteed to happen. That's something that's going to take a lot of positive shit going on in our world, not just here in the US for those interest rates to come back down. I don't believe it's just going to, because it's an election year that that's going to happen. So let's be prudent with our underwriting, prudent with our investing and don't put your children's lives and their college tuition and the wedding fund at risk to jump in and buy a piece of real estate today because you think that you can buy it at eight percent and then be able to reposition and save 20 25 to increase your cash flow in 24 to 36 months that's my rant Kenny. that's your rant that's the episode everybody don't do it <laughs> yeah I, let it's, me, let's... It's, it's it's irresponsible yeah, I am hearing that more. I've seen, I've even seen uh, a few realtors on social media try to justify it with like pro formas and like saying, oh, in five years, like this would be the new rate. So if it doesn't make sense now and you buy now, everybody else is going to buy 
next year when the rates go down, therefore just wait. It's like, but it didn't make sense today. Like, are you, do you have a crystal ball or something that we don't know about? Like, why are you all of a sudden like, this is going to, you know, pencil out in the future when it doesn't pencil out today? How do you know that? You know, how are, and then on top of that, a lot of times they're not showing you all the expenses, the other stuff that comes with owning a property that you're having to deal with capital expenditures, things like that, that, that you deal with, with owning. And it really doesn't make sense at this point. So I'm going to be honest with you, Bill. I, a lot of people I talk to today, one, they don't keep track of their financials. I know we're, that's probably another topic we can get into, but that is very prevalent. And I guarantee a lot of our listeners are probably getting a little squeamish in their chairs. They're like, I don't track my financials. I don't know how well my properties are. Most people I speak to on a daily basis, and I speak to probably about the same, about, same as you, eight or nine calls a day, which is crazy, but I do it. Eight or nine calls a day, and eight out of the nine do not track their financials and don't know how they're doing. And they fall into the trap of, you know, well, it's, I think it's doing okay. I haven't had to like put a ton of money or carry the cost and just like, it, they don't even know. They really don't even know. Financially and, reckless. Correct. Um, you run a and, business, Kenny, right? Don't yes. you have a business? A, a couple, but yeah. <laughs> STR, STR Insights. Yes. When do you get your PL? Do you run a PL every month? I run it. We run it twice a week. <laughs> yeah. Twice a week PLs. Yeah. What's required in my mastermind? Monthly PLs of your properties, benchmarks. And even ben at that, not everybody does it, right? Yep. And, People are lazy or they don't understand. And I, and look, if you're a doctor, if you're an attorney, if you're a professional that's been a W-2 your entire life from the time that you got out of high school and then college and whatever, I get that you're not trained as an entrepreneur is like myself. And it's beaten into our head that we have to have an intimate relationship with our financials. And we need those P&Ls literally by the fifth of the month. And if you're like Kenny, you're doing it twice a week. If you're like me, I update mine every Friday on Faith Friday with my wife. Our bookkeeper does it. We get a report Friday mornings, Friday afternoons. We're looking at all of our financials. I'm not that fucking crazy. I don't need them twice a week like Kenny. But once a week has been my mantra for about the last seven, eight years. If you don't have that intimate relationship with your financials, you don't know. How can you be investing into real estate? How can you be starting these new businesses? Because that's what it is. And I don't know I've ever said it on this podcast, Kenny. I mean, you know, I've built some pretty decent sized companies and I've done 29 startups. Never once had I invested over $100,000 of my own money into a startup. I never took on funding either. Bootstrapped everything with almost no cash to start with. Built two $30 million companies, $50 million company. I treated them the same as that very first company that my mom taught me how to do P&Ls when I'm 16 years old, so I can understand how much money I'm making. So I got to reinvest to buy more t-shirts. That's why you got to know three deals down the road. It's why you got to build out your life plan and you got to know your financial and your, your, your bankability, your credit today, because if you don't, the next deal could screw you. You got to understand the matrix of what happens in your financials, your credit worthiness, buying a property, HELOC, Cash out, refi, purchasing. You have to understand all of this stuff if you want to be an advanced investor. Yes. And when we say like being an advanced investor, we're talking about like treating this like a serious business. Like owning a property, sure, you can be become an advanced investor. 
and treat it like a business and you should with one property. But I see, I just see a lot of people like not keeping track of this. And when I ask them how their properties are doing, they don't really know. I think I'm doing good, Kenny. I'm I think I'm doing good. I'm not losing too much. Now, and I also ask them too, how are you tracking based on what you projected? And most of them, how are you tracking? Like, or not like how, like how is your property performing based on what you projected it originally to do? It's always worse than what they projected because they're betting on, they didn't know all the expenses. That's a very popular one including the impact that interest rates or their debt service would have on their revenue. It's, you know, we did a, a HELOC episode a few episodes ago. Oh, I know. I've heard a lot. Yeah. A lot of people mentioned that one to me. Oh yeah. We heard we, yeah. There's- a lot of people are screwed because they were paying 4% on their HELOC a year and a half or two years ago. And it's a variable rate. And now they're at 8%. And their $400 or $500 a month payment is now $2,000 a month payment just on their HELOC. Yep. And they bought that $700,000 or a million dollar property. And they've got the $5,500 mortgage now plus $2,000 a month. And the property's doing eight grand. So you factor in, you know, the pest control service, the, the landscaping, the cleaning, everything that goes into it. Now your cash flow negative. Right. So that's that's the reason why you have to have an intimate relationship with your financials before you start a business, a.k.a. buy a property and then every single month. So, you know what goes into it, because a lot people are it pains me, Kenny. I mean, I don't get mad. It, it, it breaks my heart. You I know you have the same conversations on a daily basis of somebody. I had one today, a great guy paid one point three three million in the Smokies. He locked, you know, 250K and literally is burnt through all of his savings and everything to pay down the HELOC as it went from what I just said, 4% up to like 8%. And he makes 300K a year, but his property in the Smokies did $67,000 year to date on a $1.33 million purchase. Is this a person that I know? No. Okay, never mind. He's he's probably, and he's going into slow, so he's probably going to do 100 G's. On a $1.33 million. I mean, that's going to barely, barely cover if it even does his PITI. If he hadn't paid off his HELOC, you know, he, he had two bookings in August. I said, how much money did you lose in August? He said about 5,200 bucks. Jeez. Yeah. He's making 300. So that's like 20 grand, $25,000 a month. People think that's a lot of money, right? Pre-tax, pre-tax. So let's just say 30%. So that's like 15, five, 16,000, well, maybe 17,000. And you're losing five grand. Now that's down to 12,000 right. wife and three kids. Oh, I'm sure he's and the problem too. A lot of people is that, and, and this is another thing issue too. Like I'm sure his lifestyle fit his salary and then they went and bought a short-term rental. So cutting back $5,000 a month for a lot of people who don't make that money is like, Oh, well that makes sense. But your lifestyle is not at $300,000. So, you know, you so know what, like, you know what's, you know, what's getting compromised. The 529 contribution, the 401k contribution, oh, yeah. you're right. You're right. You have to rob your future to pay Paul today. Right. Yeah. That's why we have to be so freaking astute in our underwriting and be so careful. And I get that short-term rentals are the shiny key syndrome investment and all that type of stuff. The other thing, can you and I could, we, we should probably just have a, a conversation on the podcast someday about 
the crazy things that people tell us and that, you know, that, that are trying to invest. How many times are people wanting to invest a hundred thousand dollars to buy their first property and their household income is 150 to 200, if not less. And then they have like five grand in the bank, like no 401k, no seven. And they're putting everything into buying a piece of real estate. That's a hard no for me. I'm like, if I'm your father, if I'm your brother, build up more reserves first. It scares me, man. And it's not, you can't bank on repositioning on an interest rate. It's not a given. Right. I know. And one thing too, and once again, you know, for the realtors out there, there are realtors that just, they talk about caring for the client, but they don't ask them these questions. They literally, the point is to sell their salespeople. And I know not every single realtor is like that, but a lot of realtors are going to sit down with you and go, what are your finances? What are you, they're just going to say, are you pre-approved? Because they don't care about the finances. So you have to protect yourself. You have to go, do I have the reserves? Do I have, like, if this goes south, what's the exit strategy? Because nobody else is going to walk you through that unless you're really like going through some coaching program, like something like Bill or I, or maybe somebody else that you trust can help you through like a mentor, but people aren't going to do that. So you got to take this and sit down if you're looking for a property and go, okay, what happens if this doesn't work out? How am I going to like, am am I going to be okay? How's my, how is this going to impact my family? How old you are, how much reserves you have, the type of loan that you're taking out. If you're investing into a second property, the tax encumbrances, 1031, uh, DSCR loan that has a prepayment penalty, cost segregation study, all of that has to be factored in. So one of the line items, Kenny, that I've added into my personal performance, if I cost seg a property, I literally have a line item that I've cost seg the property, what the total benefit was, and then I break that down on a recapture one, two, three, four, five years to where if I sell in year one, sell in year two, sell in year three, four, and five. So I know what my tax burden is going to be if I have to get that recaptured. Mm-hmm. People aren't breaking these things down. Number two, you never buy a property just for a cost segregation benefit unless you are a gazillionaire, right? And you have millions of dollars behind you and you can't buy based on an interest rate that you think is going to be available to you in 2025. That was the whole purpose. I know we're getting off track a little bit here, but. I got a bonus feature we can talk about. And once you're done, go ahead. Lay it down. Guys, it's okay if you have to pay taxes on a 1031. It is okay. Don't buy a bad deal because you're afraid of paying taxes on a 1031. That's another. You can do a poor man's 1031 and buy and then cost seg. And then you don't encumber your money for the rest of your life. Right. So like I, uh, I, gosh, I was on a call with somebody the other day, a million dollar property that was maybe going to do $70,000. And the guy we're sitting on the, I, w- I was, I was listening in and uh, so my colleague was, you know, coaching the guy, the guy wanted us to evaluate the property. And I, and I just hopped in and I said, why are we even like running a perform on this? If it's only going to make 70,000. And he said, I'm in a 1031. And I have to spend, I have to buy, and I've identified, I I had three properties identified, two are already in contract. My time is, it's done. I can't go identify more. This is it. This is the only one left. I just need to know how much it's going to make. And I said, dude, you're going to lose money on this. Just pay the tax. We did the calculation. I think it was like 
$30,000 in taxes he was going to pay if he didn't do the 1031. And uh, I'm just like, you're going to lose every single year. You're going to lose about 20, 20 to $30,000 a year just from it being a bad investment. And like, you can just pay the 30,000 and walk away with some cash in your pocket and save that up and find a better investment when you're actually ready. And then cost egg the, the good yeah. investment. Exactly. Then, yeah, then cost egg the good investment. But uh, I don't even think he was going to do like, he was going to try to do a cost egg. But anyway, long story short, it was like this, like, I, I get it. I hate paying taxes. Like, I don't trust the government, you know, all that, you know, all the typical stuff that everyone likes to say, but maybe, <laughs> but uh, I, for me, I'm just like, at some point you're like, look, I know we hate, we don't like doing this, but sometimes we have to do that because it's actually the wisest thing for us to do. Right. Well, here's what I'm going to tell you is if you don't like paying taxes and then you get all in on real estate, you're going to become less and less bankable. We have to pay taxes if we want to remain bankable to continue to invest. If you if you zero out every single year, whether you're using cost eggs, section 179, Excel, other forms of depreciation, whatever it is, expenses would be the worst, you're not going to become bankable. You're going to get less and less bankable. So you always need to keep that in mind. Most importantly, don't buy today banking on 2024 and 2025 rates. Or the appreciation or the tax savings or like it, it does, it does all tie together. I'll say that because, you know, even this guy with the 1031 I just talked about, he literally like he, I was like, okay, this doesn't make a good deal, but he's like, but the appreciation of it over time. And I'm like, we don't buy because of appreciation. We buy because it cash flows and this isn't going to cash flow. So who cares? <laughs> like about your appreciation, like you're buying for the future. And I think that's the, that's the lesson of the podcast, I guess, is what we're trying to get at is like, we don't just buy for future, like hopes for the future. We buy because things pencil out cash flow today. So that's the security blanket, right? Right. You can, you can factor in your appreciation, your cost sake benefit, but you know what? If it doesn't cash flow, if you get a $50,000 cost sake benefit, and then you're losing $1,500 a month in about three years, you've eliminated you know, the cost egg benefit, right? So it's, you know, Ryan Bakey talks about this all the time, Kenny, is you have to buy cash flow. You have to buy cash on cash return. Then the icing on the cake is a cost egg and the appreciation. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Great episode, Kenny. Good yeah. job. You, you too, Bill. Good job. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> great job, everybody out there. We appreciate you being great listeners. You guys are awesome. If you have any questions, hit up Kenny, Kenny underscore Bedwell on Instagram. I'm Bill Faith, F-A-E-T-H 73 on Instagram. Have a great day, everybody. Happy hosting. Thank you for listening to STRonomics. Stay ahead of the curve and subscribe today. This podcast is a hospitality.fm production.